I haven't heard this in a while, but I used to hear parents, stop, 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 stop. Quit, 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 no, 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 touch, touch, no, 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 no. I thought they were speaking in tongues. You know, those of you that don't know this, but most of us as parents, if, if I asked my mom and she said, mm, no, I'm like, yeah, I got a shot at this. But if she said no, and the, the, the ring and the no and the face said, <laughs> you're just spitting in the wind to go for this one. But it's hard to get out of the chair. You come home and you think, oh, just give me five. No, just, I'll just take two minutes. Just let me close my eyes for two minutes. But you can't do it. Because you need to teach, correct, instruct, and remind. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Tulare Church Podcast. We'd like to take a moment to thank you for engaging in our content as we seek to help others grow in their relationship with Jesus. We hope and pray these sermons and talks will inspire you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of your week. You know, earthly fatherhood comes from divine fatherhood. The Apostle Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The heavenly family and the earthly family get their name from the Father. I find it incredibly interesting that in the first few chapters of the Bible, and specifically chapter 3, God sets about some rules, or a rule, really a rule in the garden. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. I have some peaches on my tree that are beginning to be pleasing to the eye. Up to now, they've just been little, little hard blobs, you know, like you threw a soda, somebody be like hitting with a hardball. But I noticed the other day that they were, they were turning color. Can you imagine God creating this garden, this, this place, and he, he causes all of these things to grow out, and everywhere you turn, I don't know, just, just choose whatever it is you want to eat, and there it is. There are two absolutely, two points that we can't confuse or mistake in any way that God establishes in the garden. Here's the first one. There is one no in a world of yes. There's one no in a world of yes. And second, the yes came first, and the second came, I'm sorry, the yes came first, and the no came second. And the no was absolutely no. When you think about it, did God make a world of no's? 
And we know that's not true from what we just read, but in our world, did God make our world a bunch of no's? The evil liar, skillful, more skillful than about anybody I know, turns the single no into everything is off balance. You don't get anything. The assault on the Father's way, and that's what I want to call this this morning, and I want to keep that in our mind. We're talking about the Father's way. But the assault was so smooth that Eve didn't even see it coming. The significance of the Father's way is seen in the kind of attack, it's vicious but it's quiet, that the serpent makes. Did God really say you cannot eat of any tree in the garden? It wouldn't really be hard to find that tree, would it? The Bible says it's in the middle of the garden. There was one tree. They knew where it was. There was a host of other trees. They all were pleasing to look at, and they were all delicious. But the one tree was no. You know, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teaching comes through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created that we should receive with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. You know, it hasn't changed much, has it? The, the, the doctrine the demon was sharing back then, the, the time he was, Paul was, was writing about, he describes those who devote their life to teaching, well, you can't marry this and you can't eat that, as teaching of demons. The demonic teaching has always been around. And Satan is just as good at it today as he was then. Now, back to Genesis 3, in our mind, we need to understand there was an absolute no. Eve clearly understands what that no is. Because when the devil questions her, she says it back word for word. There is only one no, and when I eat it or I touch it, I die. You will not surely die. Sitting here this morning, it seemed like, well, you said, well, I would have rejected that. You will not surely die. That happens to us, doesn't it? People say, oh, it doesn't matter. Go ahead. Nah, knock yourself out. Do that. So the serpent takes this one single no, and he blows it all out of perspective. And he shrinks the only thing that is damnable and condemning and killing out of existence. 
In summary, the serpent sought to describe God as this selfish, greedy, miserly, who just makes idle threats. He didn't really mean that. Nah, 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 you won't die. It was just talking, you know, like people talk. So what can we learn from the Father's way so far? Well, without a doubt, we'll definitely need more than one no. There was one tree and one no in the garden. But we'll need more than one no, but we need to be careful to limit our no's. I thought of Israel's life under the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And then there's 613 other sub-commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And Jesus takes all of those no's and he summarizes them in this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything you got put into it. And love your neighbor as yourself. So the no's are limited. And that helps us as fathers to focus on the things that are most important. Two basic rules, I think, are a good place to start as a parent. Number one, always obey mom and dad. All the way, right away. Always obey mom and dad. All the way, right away. Even if you don't understand why. Rusty Bolton, who some of you have been, like me, had a chance to hear him speak, has a degree on counseling, but far beyond that what gives that degree importance is all of the years, all of the years of experience that he's had. And he said, don't try to reason with a child under seven. Six and a half, I, not trying to get exact, but the point of it is, is children can't take things and weigh them. It's impossible. I see people sometimes in the store, and this mom is really giving it all. She's down there on her knees, and she's trying to get this, this kid that's three years old and can hardly figure out what he's doing on planet Earth, and she's trying to reason with him. You just have to say, you know, you don't understand this. And one day we'll sit down and talk about it and we'll reason about it. But right now, though you don't understand it, do it. Second thing is always tell the truth. Always tell the truth. Now, when I say to always obey mom and dad, that covers a lot of ground. I mean, you think about it. If we were supposed to try to sit down and memorize all the things, just think back in your life if you've got children and they're whatever age and you've told them all of these things, you expect them to memorize everything? Fewer rules allow emphasis to be put where it's really, really imperative. Moral order in your home is like moral order in the garden. This needs to be up on the refrigerator. It is fundamentally about truth. I'm sorry, fund fundamentally about trust 
and relationship. That's what you're trying to bring into the lives of your children. Trust, trust me. I want this relationship with you. Have fewer rules that adjust, that it helps us parents to adjust. A small number of good rules will help us get out of the trap. If I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. Have you ever said, you kid, whatever kid, Fred, you're standing in that chair. I told you a month ago to stop standing in the chair. Now, there's some important things we need to share with Fred long before he can stand on the floor or stand in the chair. You know, I remember <clears throat> when we adopted Levi, we weren't fortunate enough to have any children, so we took our checkbook and wrote out a check for $10,000, and they said, here, pew! And I remember they put this little thing in his arms, and, and, and there was hair everywhere. There was even hair on his legs, on his feet. All I could think of was put him back and cook him some more. He ain't done. And he gave me this little thing, and I'm, I'm enthralled, I'm excited, and I'm a whole lot nervous. You know, he wasn't much of a crawler. He would kind of crawl and then flop down on his behind, crawl a little bit and flop down on his behind. He, he just never learned to crawl. He kind of went from that to walking. But before he could do much of any, he, he, would, he would humble up and he'd get to the wall. And I don't know how. I, I'm pretty sure there's something God builds into children because he goes around the whole wall. He comes to this multiplex thing and he reaches for the knob. How do they know to reach for the knob or push the button? They have an AWACS giving them a download. I don't understand it. So, all right, you don't want him to eat it. You don't want him swallowing it. So I take it out of his hands and I tell him no. And I put him back across the room. Here he goes. Hmm. Hmm. And he does that. And the next time he goes over, I slap his hand. He... And this goes on and on. And about the third day of doing this, because they got, he got, he, he has got to get to that knob. And about the third day of doing this, when he reaches for the knob, he turns around and looks. What is he looking for? He's looking for that person who told him, no, no, no. And I say, no, he jumps. What I'm trying to say is, I had the idea, you put this thing, the baby in my hand. I'm serious, maybe not quite this crazy, but, you know, you wash them up, throw them a bone, and when they get about seven years old, you play catch. They're a whole lot smarter than I thought they were. I was told by a couple here when they decided to have children, <clears throat> we, we asked, what kind of a family are we going to have? And the overall arching thing that controlled over the family was, we want a peaceful family. We want our children's children to love us. We want uh, to love them, but we're going to have peace. 
Now, they didn't expect per perfection, but they said, no meltdowns are allowed. How many of you, when you were growing up, heard the word meltdown? There's about six weird people in here. I asked my sister yesterday, I said, did you ever hear the word meltdown? She said, no. Now, my sister was honest to God. She was, she was well-behaved. My parents would tell her to do something. She'd go do it. They'd tell me to do it, and I'm like, what? And I caught it every time. One day, long before I was an adult, I had this adult conversation with myself, and I'm like, why are you doing this? Why do you keep getting beat up? I mean, you know you're going to get asked my dad later. Why did you do all this? He said, because you were rebellious. I needed to get the rebellion under control. And that was serious. And if he hadn't done it, I wouldn't be here. I don't know where meltdown started. I hear somebody talk about, you know, my kid is a meltdown. And I, so my sister and I were having a conversation yesterday. I said, what was that when they said, if you cry, I'll give you something to cry about? Maybe, maybe the meltdown stopped there. I don't know. But I never had a meltdown. I'm not saying I didn't cry. I'm not saying I didn't boo-hoo. And I'm not saying I didn't shrug my shoulders. But meltdown, mm, off limits. Now, I understand times have changed. You know, I'm, I'm an eight-track person living in a Bluetooth world. But nature as God put in children and us has not changed. Teaching, correcting, instructing, reminding. Teaching, instructing, correcting, reminding. Teaching, instructing, correcting, reminding. Quickly and appropriately. I haven't heard this in a while, but I used to hear parents, stop, 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 stop. Quit, 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 quit. no, 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 touch it, no, 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 no. I thought they were speaking in tongues. You know, those of you that don't know this, but most of us had parents. And if, if I asked my mom and she said, mm, no, I'm like, yeah, I got a shot at this. But if she said no, and the, the, the ring and the no and the face said, <laughs> you're just spitting in the wind to go for this one. But it's hard to get out of the chair. You come home and you think, oh, just give me five. No, just, I'll just take two minutes. Just let me close my eyes for two minutes. But you can't do it. Because you need to teach, correct, instruct, and remind. It's a whole lot easier to holler. Get out of that chair and you get on that chair, I'll knock you in the next week. I don't have a clue what you're saying. But they hear your tone and your words and they expect that every time. This is what we as fathers are called to do. We're called to do so all the way, right away. Discipline. Not very pleasant. Not pleasant at all. I've said to some of you, if someone, if I, you know, I'm camping with a bunch of men and one of them goes, pulls out his belt, I get chills and I just freeze. But you see, I needed that. I still need that reminder. Reminder. 
God called the man. Where are you? He answered, well, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. I said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said to the woman, what, do you, what is this you've done? The woman said, well, the serpent deceived me and I ate. God isn't going to buy this. God is not going to buy this. And you won't either. If you read the text again, you see Eve quotes it. They all had it memorized. The tree in the middle of the garden, don't eat it, don't touch it. All the others, yum, yum. You got God's blessing, get after it with both hands, eat all you want. Have you ever had a dad or, you know, he's a dad, one of your children say to you something like, well, he hit me. Well, you call me a scumbag. When that happened around kids that I know, both got in trouble. Don't play the game. Don't get caught up in, in children's games. Let the children know to be, learn to be responsible. So the Lord said to the serpent, this is the trouble. Because you have done this, cursed are you above the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God said, you are going to be at war with this woman and her children. And one of the descendants of this woman is going to bust you upside the head. Yeah, but you're going to strike the heel. But don't forget the busting up of the head. You earned this. To the woman, he said, I'll greatly increase your pain and childbearing. With pain, you'll give birth to children. Your desire shall be your husband, and he'll rule over you. Yeehaw! Don't go there. Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you not to eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat the food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. Dust you are, and from dust you will return. Discipline is swift. God doesn't speak in idle words. It was exactly as God has promised, not as God threatened, as God promised. Discipline is not pleasant. In your struggle, the writer of Hebrews says, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Hang on to this verse, and you have forgotten the words of encouragement that addresses you as what? As sons. Can you believe it? God addresses us. He thinks of us as his children. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. 
God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? And if you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're illegitimate children and not two sons. King James used the word bastard. Wasn't a swear word. It was a word that said you didn't have a father. Not that you didn't have a father, you just didn't have a father that was around to guide you through life. Think about this, and everyone undergoes discipline, not even close. Moreover, we've heard that all human fathers who discipline us and respected, we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Discipline, fathers, is a trainer. It's a trainer. Some parents resent <clears throat> how they were, were raised in discipline. And they said, I got disciplined in anger and I'm not disciplining my children. I want you to think about this a minute. When you're an adult and you have children think like an adult, you know, don't, if they, if they disciplined you incorrectly, then say as an adult, you know what? I'm not going to do that to my children. I'm not going to grab them in anger and wail them, but I am going to discipline them. In addition to lim limiting the number of rules, we expect our children to remember we might want to consider how the father's rule served as a deterrent. In the father's way, each one, each no protects a yes. The no's in the t Ten Commandments are designed to, to, to guard against good things. Thou shalt not kill life. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Marriage, and on and on. Let's apply this to our parenting. When I say no to my kids, what good thing am I protecting them? What am I guarding? What good things am I guarding for them? When we say no, it's important to look for an opportunity to say something better. <clears throat> Been with parents who said, you know, well, you heard this as a kid. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Okay, let's don't do it. We won't either one of us get hurt. But it's important to understand that even though you discipline your child and you don't do it in anger, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But don't go off moping. Think about your child and think, okay, they needed this discipline and I gave it to them. And now what can I say yes to that will help them?
Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a, give him a snake? Hello. The nose and the Ten Commandments. Whoa, where am I at? All right. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent or a snake? If you then, though are evil, that is, we're earthly, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus tells us that if we ask God for bread, he will not, he will not give us a stone. If we're asking for a fish, he will not give us a snake. He will give us what we ask or, or he will give us something that I need far more. Quick illustration. Jesus is in the garden. He doesn't want to die. Father, daddy, I really don't want to die. I really don't. He, he knows what crucifixions are. This isn't new. And he prays three times. Agonizes. And he says, but your will needs to be done. It's so amazing to me that God didn't give him what he asked. Thank God for us, from us, that he didn't give him what he asked. But he gave him something better. He sent an angel to strengthen him. How do you know in your moment, when you're rolled over on your back and you're ready to cash it all in, but you haven't, how do you know that God won't do something like that for you? Bottom line, we're seeking to imitate God's fatherhood. We want to follow the Father's way. As parent, real no's are unavoidable. But no's are like a wall around a city. They greatly protect. And again, with small children, don't try to work that out. They're not going to get it. What we want our children to grow up with and remember as parents is the main thing is we're offering them a city of yes, a home of yes filled with joy and blessings and, and good things all passed down from the Father. Imitate the Father's way. Some of you have already done this. Some of you will. You'll stand at the coffin of your parents, parents at a lifeless body. I remember looking at my dad, huge hands. And I thought those hands disciplined me. Those hands loved me. Those hands were intended to comfort me and guide me. 
You see, we want, we want our children to respect us and honor us because one day we want to take that respect and honor and we want to transfer that to God. People say, well, Jerry, I've blown it. I mean, I, I didn't even become a Christian. I messed up. Stop. That's demonic talk. You can't go back and undo. But you can move forward. Yes, there's consequences you'll have to deal with, but go to someone that you feel like. You know, one thing I, I've learned about those involved in AA and NA, they, they are, yeah, they're required. It's important for, important for them to go back and right the wrongs if they can, or at least tell people, I messed up and I want you to acknowledge I did. So we need to do the same thing. If our children are grown and we messed up, say, sometime in the right time, can I have just five minutes? I, I didn't know Jesus or I didn't take him seriously and I really, really, really messed up. And if I had to do it all over again and could take what I know now, our lives would be different. And if you have children, you know, it's nice if they're small because the small... The, sooner you start it, the smaller they are, the more peaceful your life and the more they learn to respect God. I like what Larry said. I never even thought about it this morning. God is the best father. Talk about Father's Day. Wow. If you're not, if you're here and you're not, in a relationship with God is your father. He sure wants that time with you. For listening to the Larry Church Podcast. If you have questions, feel free to send us a text at 559-234-4883. Drop us an email or reach out to us on our Instagram or Facebook page at larry.church. Have a great rest of your week and God bless. Thank you.